gonna have chat, gonna chat a little bit. I'm gonna have uh, lunch. Amen. So please uh, note those. Those are, are very important in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want us to begin this morning. Bazalwani, are you well? Are you blessed? Amen. I am blessed. Now let us uh, start, family. Father, thank you again as we begin. Bless your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, we are going to be dealing with the bride uh, even next week. Uh, this is a, such a, a broad topic. So next week, we're going to be tackling the subject still, the, the ten versions and other things. There's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about. But if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, um, chapter 22, chapter number 22, uh, today we are talking about preparation between betrothal and the wedding. And what happens when he goes, and what, what, what are we supposed to be doing down here? So that's what we are handling today. So in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, the Bible says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Or on these two commandments hinges everything that you will see in the Bible. So, let the greatest commandment in the Bible uh, is about us loving God. It is about us loving the Lord. And by extension, it is about pursuing, us pursuing a love relationship, us pursuing Jesus as a, a bridegroom and loving him. So we have a love relationship with Jesus. Amen. We have a love relationship with Jesus. We have a love relationship with Jesus. So primarily then, based on Lely Vesasilfundele, our greatest commandment for every person who is a believer, our greatest commandment as Christians, um, as the body of Christ, as individuals, as, as a kingdom embassy house, our greatest commandment primarily is for us to be in a love relationship with Christ. It is not to pursue primarily to pursue power. It is not to pursue the anointing. It is not to pursue miracles, signs, and wonders. It is not to pursue some form of religion, but primarily our relationship with God is to pursue a love relationship with the Creator. 
Say amen. The commandment is called the first and the great commandment. Now in that, the first is protos. Protos is what you get protons from. Protos means foremost or first in order. Then you have got the word great there. The word great is megas. Where you get mega, it means grand. It means huge. It means important. It means overarching, above everything else. Then you have the word there, commandment, which is entole, which is a judicial decision. So when you look at that commandment, it says, so it is a, it is a judicial decision of the first order of importance for us to walk in a love relationship with the Lord. Amen. So we need to settle this then, Bazwane, once and for all. You and I are in a love relationship with God. I know, see, our logo has a spear, a sword, and it has a shield because we have been called to restore destinies, we pray. We are a praying church. At the bottom there it says, For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah 56, 7. So we are warring people. We refuse to receive the thing that the enemy gives us. But over and above, at the very root of it, essentially all this thing flows out of a love relationship. We are, this is secondary because without a firm relationship with Jesus, without an intimate relationship with the Lord, all this is in vain. All the stuff that we do in churches, everything that you can think of that you see when you watch TV, uh, whether it's in Nigeria, in Africa, or in Europe, all the stuff that we see, Without us having a relationship and a real relationship with the Lord, all falls to nothing. When we have prophesied, when we have lifted up a sword and done intercession and done all the prayers that we pray, but if we don't have a relationship, a bride, a bridegroom relationship, we will be found wanting. I will be found wanting. Amen. So this is why we have to be careful in studying this particular subject because everything hinges upon it. I remember in the Gospels, the Bible says the Lord Jesus called to himself so that uh, his disciples, so that they might be with him. And then so that he could send them out. But primarily he called them so that they might be with him. That there might be a relationship. That they might learn from him. There had to be a relationship. Family, if the church is not restored in that area, with regards to us having our bridal identity restored, Everything you see in churches is futility. Everything you see anywhere you go is futility. If I do not walk around 
being so conscious of the fact that he is the bridegroom and I am a bride and I'm supposed to walk in the earth in a manner befitting a person who has been uh, engaged, a person who has such a relationship, a person who has been betrothed. If I do not walk around and live my life being conscious of these things, whatever I do, this is why he tells them, he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. And they tell him, but we prophesied. But we had a word of knowledge for this one. But we cast out devils. But we had crowds. But we had such a following. He said, I didn't know you because I didn't spend time with you. You didn't spend time with me. How do I know you? How do I validate what you do if there is no relationship between us? Primarily, fundamentally, at the very core of it, is us establishing, being passionate, more than anything else, first, to have a relationship, to work it, to cultivate it on a daily basis, to fall in love once again with the Savior of our souls. When that is in place, everything begins to flow from that place. When that is taken care of, everything else just comes naturally. Amen. So I would want us, Bazalwani, as Kingdom Embassy House, to have an understanding and a deep revelation of who we are. Have an understanding of our identity. This is why I'm passionate about telling you that church on Sunday, look at it. Don't, do not gauge your relationship with God on the basis of a Sunday experience. A Sunday experience is an extension. It's one of the things that we do to demonstrate that we are in relationship with him. You do not measure, you do not gauge your, your spirituality based on what happens on Sunday. Someone can come on Sunday and just preach something that's strange. They can come and sing off-key. Something that an usher can just offend you when you are seated very comfortable somewhere and they ask you to stand up and go sit elsewhere. And you get offended and you say, oh, can't do No, 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 no. You, what you are dealing with, there, it's just a program on a Sunday. It's called a Sunday service. We get together to empower each other. We get together to equip each other so that we can be sent out into the world and be an, of influence wherever we go. We call the place out of this one the marketplace. That's where God wants us to be a blessing. That's where God wants us to, to flow into. It's called influence. That's where God wants us to make impact. So we get together on Sundays like this to worship together. For the Bible says, uh, uh, a thousand, one shall chase a thousand, and two shall chase ten thousand. Because there's power in agreement. There's something about corporate prayer. There's something about corporate worship. When, when songs begin to arise, when Lunga comes back, we'll do that because I think we are ready to do that. But there's something about when we uh, lift up our, our voices together. But do not measure, do not gauge your relationship with the Lord on the basis of a Sunday service. Your relationship with God is on Monday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's why we walk around as a chaste vision, he says, the Apostle Paul. 
This is where we walk before him blameless. He told Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. So that is where we are at. This is why once you have a bridal identity, you understand that it's not, it's not to please these people. Your bride groom, your groom is up there and he's looking. He left, he left us here so that we could walk in a particular way. Hallelujah. Say amen, family. So we are the bride. Say, I am the bride. We are the bride. In Revelation, uh, remember when Jesus addresses the seven churches in the book of Revelation, uh, he addresses them through John, the apostle. Now he speaks to the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This particular church uh, family, on paper, it was a great church. They did all the things that you and I would uh, characterized as Christian. This particular church on paper, it was a great church. It was a, an amazing church, the, the Ephesian church. But Jesus comes and he tells them, uh, despite all the things that you have done, he says, nevertheless, you have left your first love. Out in nevertheless, nevertheless, you have left your first love because our busyness for the Lord if it compromises our intimacy with him, it, uh, it is not valued in heaven. It is like in a marriage relationship, if I am busy and my excuse is that I am working for them, I am never found anywhere. My excuse is that I am working, I'm working for the family, I'm work but they don't get to enjoy me. That kind of relationship begins to fall flat because we are not connecting at a particular level. So he tells them, I appreciate the works that you do. You, you do all the amazing things that you do, but says, nevertheless, nevertheless, you have left your first love. Other translations put, put it this way. The good news translation, it says, you do not love me as you did at first. The common English Bible says, you have let go of the love you had at first. The New Century Version says, you have left the love you had in the beginning. God's Word translation says, the love you had at first is gone. New International Reader's Version says, you don't have as much love as you heard at first. And the Message Bible says, but you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? That's the message. 
So the Ephesian church was a vibrant church. They did all the do's, which they thought that if you are a, a charismatic church, if you are a prophetic and apostolic church, that's what you must do. So they did all that you should do, but in their business, in their ministry, they began to, they began to move away from intimacy, from a secret place, from a private place, from the place of, of fellowship one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, apart from the church, apart from the, the prayers we pray together, one-on-one. -on -one. It's called a secret place. It's a place where you and the Lord begin to shut the door and you just fellowship together. It says you have lost the first love. So it was an amazing church. They, they worked hard for God. The Bible says they, they were patient. In actual fact, they were recognized in heaven for being patient. Imagine that. Because the Lord Jesus says you are patient. In other words, they, they were known in heaven. That particular congregation produced patient people. There was such a congregation that whatever they were teaching and the, the atmosphere there, when you were from that particular ministry, you had developed the fruit of patience to the extent that the heavens had to acknowledge that that particular congregation was patient. The Bible says they did not tolerate evil. What an amazing church. They, they called out false ministries. It says that they called out false apostles. So they were amazing. They were good Christians. Amen. But the Lord says, nevertheless, no magunjalo. Nevertheless, you have left your first love family. We must return. We must return to our first love. We must return to our first love. If there is something the Lord is restoring today, is the, it's our bridal identity. Because the Lord looks from above, he looks at the church. The church is very busy. But the church is drifting away from a place of intimacy. It's in the place of intimacy that everything we think of shall begin to flow. The wells and the streams we are trusting him for, they begin to flow from that. Now, I know that some, some people would say, but I don't know how it feels like to be in love with God. I don't know what it means to have that first love. If the Bible says I have lost the first love, what if I never even had it? Because I, mean, I don't even know how it, how it feels like to have that first love. You see, Basalwane, Lenta Yoguba, so Chandu, Chandu, Kala. Now, if you are married uh, or you are engaged, you, you will understand what first love is. So, if the church has never felt the first love, the Lord is going to enable you because it is in his interest for us to feel that. But it's like, um, you know, it's like, it's like going on, 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 on WhatsApp, checking if she is online. <laughs> well, she is online, yes, but not with you. <laughs> And you feel such a heartbreak. And you're like, I need to call an ambulance right now. Can I just die? That's, that's first love. 
Because it's, it's, it's like you're staring at the phone, expecting and hoping that the call will come through. You know when he calls, you know when she calls, the face pops up on the screen. You are so much in love that literally you hold your phone up like this. You're like, you're busy, but you, you just keep on looking. If there's a message coming through, what, what is that? It's first love. It may dwindle over time when you kind of mature, you, you understand other things about love. And, but it's first love. I'm talking naturally speaking. Amen. First love is like, it's like walking her home. You walk her home. Then she walks you back. <laughs> then she walks you back. And then because she can't walk back alone, then you need to walk her back again. Then you walk her back again. Now you stand there for now 45 minutes. Amen. The first love is like texting. Hey, you, you, you've been chatting on WhatsApp, whatever platform. Then you, then you type, please say bye now. Then she replies, no, you say bye first. <laughs> That's first love, family. That's what we mean. That's when, when the passion is there, when the electricity is there, when the chemistry is there, amen. You put up a, a WhatsApp status. You don't care if 50 people get to view it. Only one person it is meant for. Once that person sees it, mission accomplished. It's done. Who cares if 100 people saw it? You don't care. You didn't even put it up for them. Now, if 50 people get to see it and this one person does not see it, you are done. You've wasted your time. That's first love. Boys, why are you so excited? Hello? What do you know that I don't know? <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's what the Lord is talking about, family. Out of first love. First love. So spiritually what it means, thanks, Mom J, I just forgot to pull it out. Thank you. Spiritually what it means, Bazalwani, it, it, it's to be intentionally, to get captivated. Family, intentionally be captivated by what he has promised, by who he is. It is to decide on a day-to-day -day basis to be blown away by the dowry that he has paid for you. We must be intentional. It's like my relationship with my wife, I must be intentional. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. It doesn't just happen. We build, we work. I must be, there must be intentionality about it. I must go out of my way to make it work. Amen. So there is no relationship, including our relationship with the Lord. It does not just happen on its own. We, both partners, must work on the relationship to make it flourish, to make it thrive in Jesus' name. Amen. So spiritually, that's what it, 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 it looks like, Bazalwan. How, how, how does it make you feel to know that you are worth his blood? How does it make you feel that he paid? So Now, on a day-to-day -day basis, 
This is why in the Old Testament there was the word meditation. It's a powerful word in the Jewish culture. Because if we meditate, meditation is marinating in the word. It's marinating on the ketubah. You, you decide on every single day to, to, to visit the marriage contract so that you can daily fall in love with the promises. You can daily fall in love with that which he has left you with, that which he has given you. Amen. So that is what it means. We must be captivated. When we begin to lose that sense of joy and excitement, for the Lord and the fact that he has done so much. When we begin to just move as though we're kind of taking everything for granted, that's when it gets cold. That's when our passion for the Lord gets affected. So you, 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 must, you must have this, this, this sense of excitement, which the enemy will not give it to you. And circumstances and everything we go through on a day-to-day -day basis will ensure that you don't get to walk in that joy. But it is my responsibility to work it on every single day. When I don't feel like waking up in the morning to pray, I must decide, because what am I doing? I am working on something. There's a relationship I am working on. I don't want to forget him. I don't want to leave here and I forget him because he has... It's been so long since he left. He said he was going to return for me. But it has been years. We have been waiting. But if I allow the spirit of the world, the secular spirit, to demotivate, to try and contaminate us, before you know it, you will have lost your first love. Coming to church will be mechanical. Coming to church will be religious to be done out of duty. There must be a spring on your heels with regards to serving God. There must be a form of excitement, not because of what is going to happen here, because of what is happening in here. If what is happening here is not sustained by what is happening in here, I will not last because when this dies, I die. But if there's more happening in here, it doesn't matter what happens out here. Because what happens out here, it's immaterial. The most important thing is what is happening here. There's a fire in my bones that burns irrespective of you. I don't need you that much as much as I love you to keep the fire burning in my spirit for the Lord without church. If the government would shut churches down, how many Christians would survive? But if there's fire in your bones, if there's fire in your spirit, because of the relationship, because of the intimacy, which is experienced within walls of your, of your private space and your private life, whatever happens in church does not matter to you because you are sustained your well is, is private. There, is, there are streams of waters that, that feed your root, that water your root spiritually. In Jesus' name, it's good to get together, like I said before. But your relationship with the Lord must not be dependent on a Sunday experience. Say amen. So family, what I'm saying to you, we must be kept, captivated.
to be kept him, to know what I have been chosen. The God the Father chose me for his son. He chose me. He preferred me for his son. Amen. That's amazing. That's powerful. To be chosen when, when you know that you were chosen, not because you were perfect. He chose us when we were not even perfect, but he preferred us still. How does that make you feel to know that God chose you for his son when you and I were in sin? And the Bible says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's Romans 5. And it says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Amen. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He came anyway. He didn't come for people who were... He came for the lost. And the apostle Paul says, he's very careful to say, of all the people, I was the worst. If you have an attitude like that, knowing that some people serve God as though God owes them something for them being in relationship with him. We must serve God knowing that without this relationship, I will die and go to hell. He has rescued me. He has saved my soul. If you have that understanding, we begin to take our relationship with him seriously. And the Bible says, Jehovah appeared of old to me, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Amen. It says, I've loved you. I've loved, I've always loved you. I can never love you more than I love you now. I've loved you. I have always loved you. When we begin to meditate, or to meditate on the love of the Lord and the things that he has done for us, our love for him begins to arise, and we need to nurture that on a day-to-day -day basis. So, family, let us fall in love again. Let's fall in love again. If you don't know how, let's learn, let's learn, let's learn to fall in love with the Lord Jesus. Let's learn to fall in love with what he has done for us. Let us learn to fall in love with the ketuba, the marriage contract. I, I brought my Bible today. Amen. Let us learn to fall in love with this book. For in this book, it's where he reveals, he pours out his heart concerning you and I. So we need to learn to fall in love, even with the gift that he left us. In Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit. Let's look forward, family, to the day, the marriage ceremony in heaven. Let us fall. Who wants to get married to someone who does not love them? Who wants to get married to someone who is not head over heels? Who wants to get married to a mechanical, robotic, programmed Christian? You only lift up your hands when the worship leader says, lift up your hands. It never comes voluntarily because out of, out of passion. I have been in a church where even before 
a worship leader says, lift up your hands, people are already on the floor because it, it doesn't matter what he says. He is irrelevant. I've come here to bless him. I've come here to worship. I've come here to glorify the Lord. Amen. Who wants to get married to people like that have been programmed by some written prayer? You say it mechanically. It doesn't even flow from your heart. You are not captivated. You are not in love. You are programmed. The Lord Jesus wants to restore our bridal identity so that one-on-one -on -one we begin to tear. You begin to worship and the tears just come. I don't know how long it has been. and I don't know how, when it was last time you, you, you wept before the Lord. Tears just begin to just, just flow down out of your eyes because of what the Lord is doing in you. That's what the Lord is restoring family in Jesus' name. Now, now I want you to listen carefully because I want us to go back to what we discussed last week. Amen. So, we talk about the preparation between the betrothal and wedding this morning. Let's see how long we can just push that for. Amen. Preparation between the betrothal and the wedding. Now, last week we spoke about betrothal. The first one was uh, when the father arranges the marriage for his son. We spoke about the fact that in the ancient Jewish culture, the father chose the bride for his son. This is why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God chose us for his son. Amen. Then we said the second uh, custom in that culture was betrothal. Then we explained briefly what betrothal uh, was about in that culture and still is probably. Now today we look at preparation between the betrothal and the wedding. Amen. So, number one, it was the arrangement of marriage. Number two, the betrothal ceremony. Number three, what we're addressing today, preparation period between the betrothal and the wedding in heaven. Number four, the wedding ceremony. Number five, the wedding feast, which is in the book of Revelation. Now, the preparation period. Now, let's, let's talk, family. Now, I want you to be very sober-minded because if we can embrace these things and understand what they mean, they will help us as we walk with the Lord in the earth, in Jesus' name. So after a betrothal, uh, the bridegroom went back to his father's house. As soon as betrothal was, was over, as much as legally they were deemed married, but they were not supposed to live together or be sexually involved. This was a betrothal. We are betrothed to, engaged. It's a legal document that speaks to that fact. But they were not allowed to live together yet. So immediately after a betrothal, the bridegroom had to go to be with the father, wherever, whatever village that he lived in, he had to go there. The second thing you must understand is that he, he remained at his father's house, and while he was there, he was busy preparing a, we call it a room, that the Bible calls a mansion, 
he was he had to prepare a place for the bride that process they say it took about one to two years or so now so he's busy preparing a place for the bride who is left with her people this was done by adding a room to his father's house so the bride is left with her relatives he is away preparing a dwelling place for them this is interesting because the bible says let not your hearts be troubled believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and will take you to myself that where i am you may be also and we also know family that the bridegroom would then go back to fetch his bride at a particular time once the house had been completed but the thing is the bridegroom did not know the time when he was going to go back and collect his bride because that was at the discretion of the father when the house had been built uh, the father of the bridegroom had to inspect the house he had to check it and see inspect the house that the son had built and see if it was perfect for the bride so the son uh, does not know exactly when this going to happen because he does something and the father comes and he says correct this he corrects this and then he, he, he amplifies on it and then the father comes back and says no at this and at that why because of the value of the bride because of the value of the bride that which he was building had to match the value of the bride he was bringing home amen so only when the father was happy only when the father was satisfied would then hear the son be told to go fetch the bride so he never knew so that's why jesus he spoke to them he says but concerning that day or that hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father be on god be awake for you do not know when the time will come it is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work and commands the dog keeper to stay awake therefore stay awake for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the uh, rooster crows or in the morning lest he comes suddenly and find you asleep and what i say to you i say to all stay awake amen so only when the father 
felt that it was now a perfect time for the sun to come back, he came back. Now, how did the bride prepare herself when he had gone to build that house if he was a rich person? The Lord Jesus calls it a mansion because he is rich. Because you have been betrothed into a rich family. Because they say the streets are streets of gold. But an ordinary Jewish person in the natural sense, they would go and add a room depending on their financial status as a family. But with us, according to our ketubah, according to the promise that we have been given, he tells us, I'm not going to uh, build you uh, just a back room somewhere like where I grew up in Nanda. We used to build with a makaton e juba. Swafago dagapagati nain tingo. And the twin tingo. Fago dagapagati nain tingo. Fago dagapagati nain tingo. Manjan wazo pasheka. Nini a problem. Nagon paga menji. And wazo pasheka. Then you finish it off like this. It's not going to be smooth. Who cares? We're not leaving there. You're smoothing it off like this. Smoothing it, smoothing it, smoothing it. You're smoothing it. Smoothing it. Then my house, which I had built, was so proud of that thing. Then it, when you look at it from a distance, it seems as if it's lifting up one leg. It's like, <laughs> but the Lord says in his word, I go and prepare. There are mansions. So there are outer mansions. Outer mansions. In Jesus' name. So how did the bride prepare family back then? How did the bride prepare? Amen. If you didn't know, I grew up in Nanda, Africa. So I know, I know, I know stuff. Amen. I know Sinda. We didn't do it in Nanda. Only would know Sinda. No, 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 I don't know anybody else who would know Sindala. Hello, Mom G. Chacha, I'm a long way. Last week, I'm a long way. Mark Makaza, Spear, Mark Pumala, Umapazwa, Mubamanji, Futumel, Putuagain Zwanilla. Futumel, Gashun, Gashun. Mepazwa, Lausuk massage, like natural massage. Okamalong, I'm a fucking pagetin. Faramans, Kipuchan, Lobukov, Lagumati, you in Chaman, Yentin, Sipul, you know, Fagapans. Mofiga Lanzin, Mopus, no Sipul, you should know. Amen. Mofiga Lafigo Kippel at Pagetti, not to Kalamove, what Kalams, what Kalilam Yang was also Pumaranjan Lam. Alala, Payafigo shout, Bessel push up, Galo, push it. Kobuya good, push it. Push it smooth, fresh. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Let's, let's come back to this family. We don't have time. How did the bride prepare back then? Now, let me tell you something. According to ancient Jewish culture, while the bridegroom was busy building up there, the bride was preparing herself for the upcoming wedding. Amen. I must remind you, by the way, that there's a wedding coming. There's a wedding coming. When we jump and when we sing in churches, have it at the back of your mind. There is a wedding coming. If, have I made myself ready for the wedding? Amen. Now, three things happened. But I'm going to touch on just one today because of time. I'm going to finish next week. Three things happened as the bride waited for the bridegroom. Three things that she had to be preoccupied with in the intervening period while he was still busy uh, building that house. Number one, the bride was observed to see if she was pure. The bride was observed to see if she was pure. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this in a few moments now. But number two, second, the bride consecrated herself. Out of the bride, consecrated herself. She examined everything in her life and changed whatever was necessary in order to be ready for the covenant of marriage. Number three, the bride made her own wedding garments. She made her own wedding garments. Now, there's another sermon on its own. So today, family, just for a few moments, let's deal with the first one. The bride observed, was observed for her purity. What is purity? Purity must come back to the church. Purity seems to be a taboo. We talk about, do you know that there are churches that you, uh, they would never invite me, and I wouldn't go anyway, so it's all right. Uh, there are churches that before you minister, I know Dr. Fred used to do that, but not for the reasons they do it for. Before you minister, they interview you. They want to know what is the gist of your, of your sermon, because they don't want your sermon to touch on things that will make them uncomfortable. They don't want you to mention things while you minister on stuff that they are busy. They are involved in those things. And when you minister on those things, oh, oh, hell will break loose. So they will tell you, okay, what are you talking about? I'm talking about repentance and holiness and purity. Uh, no, there's this project we are building. So we are trusting God for a 3,000-seater. Now, can you just speak a, a current, a now word along those lines so that you can be able to generate enough funds in that regard? See, a church, there are messages that some churches are not ministering. This is why people do not relate with the Lord Jesus on the basis of him being the bridegroom and them being the bride. So the first thing that happened was purity. The bride was observed for purity. Now, now what, what happened here? The custom required, this particular custom required 
that at least for nine months, it took nine months for this to, to be completed. Nine months. The purpose for this was twofold. Number one, to test the virginity of the bride. To ensure that the bride was not pregnant. Let me repeat that. To test, that's why it's nine months. Nine months. Number two, to test that she hadn't been impregnated by somebody else and that she was still a virgin. Right. He says, for I feel, remember the scripture, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Amen. Now quickly, because no one here is perfect, there is always a confusion. That's why I put up that message on WhatsApp yesterday. There are two types of virginities. I allowed for excellence on purpose. <laughs> it's good, eh? It's communication skills. It's called it's natural virginity, and then there is spiritual virginity. All right. I want you to understand that. Okay. There is natural virginity, and then there is spiritual virginity. Natural virginity, we lose it legally or illegally, right? Okay. And then there's something called a natural womb and a spiritual womb. In other words, the enemy can plant something. The word seed in Greek is spermata. Spermata. It's the word they use for word, the word of God. So he can plant, the enemy can plant something so you can be pregnant with something in your spiritual womb. So you, you can lose your virginity yet be still a virgin with Christ spiritually. In other words, when you grow up as a young man, I don't know why it's always young women. As a young man, let me talk about men. You can lose your virginity as a young man and you can then still be a spiritual version with the Lord. Because when you lose it, you repent. That's right, family. You repent because you have done wrong. And you are saved. And you are washed. And you are restored. And you begin to walk in the ordinances of the Lord. In Jesus' name, you are blood washed. You are forgiven. Amen. So you are forgiven. In terms of the restoration of your virginity physiologically that does not happen but in the eyes of the lord you are forgiven spiritually it means something else when the lord speaks about these aversions it, it doesn't talk to make to, to to physical things we we made we sinned but we went to the lord and asked for his forgiveness and he forgave us but we can still walk and enter heaven as pure versions spiritually. I will talk to you about what it means by spiritual version. So spiritual virginity is when you have not gone into bed with, demonic, with a demonic spirit. It's when you're not gone into bed with a God. Because altars in the spirit, it's like a bed with roses sprung out by demons. And you put your back on the thing, but you don't know that it's spiritual. That's why in the Bible you find the word halot, which means prostitute, which means whore. 
It's in the scriptures. We're going to preach it. That's, that's, that's what the Lord has told me. Just preach the word. I don't care about that. Don't worry. Because if you don't preach that, then you're going to lose it. You're not going to sin and you're not going to. So, spiritual virginity is when you have not gone into bed with one. Demonic spirit. In other words, as Jesus is busy preparing a place for us, are you busy seeking comfort elsewhere? As the Lord is busy preparing a mansion for you, are you busy seeking fulfillment elsewhere? Whose ketubah are you falling in love with? Whose ketubah are you falling heads over heels for? Are you a chaste virgin spiritually? Hallelujah. Because if you are, nothing else captivates your heart. There's nothing in your spiritual womb. There's nothing the enemy has planted in your womb. Now listen to me carefully. You're about to close. Listen to this. When you see the word prostitute in the Bible, it's not because someone physically went to do whatever. When the Lord makes reference to that word, he's addressing a nation. Because of what they have done in his eyes, that act is as good as them lying on a bed and having sexual intercourse with devils. Ezekiel 16, again the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut. Nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in sweating clothes. Nor I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you. But you were cast out on the open field, for you were abbot on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you, in your blood, leave. I said to you in your blood, leave. I made you flourish like a plant of the field. And you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked. When I passed by you again and I saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God. And you became mine when I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and showed you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour 
and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. Listen, family. But you trusted in your beauty and plagued the whore because of your renown and lavished your prostitution on a passerby. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shrines or altars and on them played the whore. The like has never been nor ever shall be. You also took your beautiful jewels of my gold and of my silver which I had given you and made for yourself images of men and with them played the whore and you took your embroidered garments to cover them and set my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread that I gave you, I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey. You set them before them for a pleasing aroma. And so it was, declares the Lord God. And you took your sons and your daughters whom you had born to me. And these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them. And all, in all your abominations and your whorings, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, wallowing in your blood. And after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord. You built yourself a vaulted chamber and made yourself a lofty place in every square. At the head of every street, you built your lofty place and made your beauty an abomination, offering yourself to any passerby and multiplying your whorings. You also played the whore with Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, multiplying your whoring to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore I stretched out my hand against you and diminished your allotted portion and delivered you to the greed of the enemies, the daughters of the Philistines who were ashamed of your lewd behavior. You played the whore also with Assyrians because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them. And still you were not satisfied. You multiplied your whoring also with the trading land of Chaldea. And even with this, you were not satisfied. Finally, let me read this last portion. How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things the deeds of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street and making your lofty place in every square. You were not a, like a prostitute because you were scorned. You scorned payment. It says you were not like a prostitute because you scorned payment. Adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of a husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you... You gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. You were different from other women in your whorings. No one solicited you to play the whore, and you gave payment. While no payment was given to you, therefore you were different. 
almost done. Five more lines. Therefore, all prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your lust was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your whorings with your lovers and with all your abominable idols, and because of the blood of your children that you gave to them, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure. All those you loved and all those you hated, I will gather them against you from every side and will uncover your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. Hallelujah. That's the Lord talking to his bride, to his people. That's the language that heaven if, if the Lord is to receive a chaste bride, he has to speak like this. He doesn't gloss over issues because the bride will think that she is perfect when she isn't. The bride will have an impression that she is okay when she is not. So he talks in these terms to his own bride. Let us stand for just a minute, but let us just pray. Did you just pray with me? Everybody, just pray. Mom, you can just come and just let us repent on, 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 on just for a few moments before I agree. I'm about to close. Oh, Moingwele, we repent, Father, for abandoning our first love. Repent for yourself, Bazalwan. You know the place that you were in with the Lord. You know the place where you have lived. Father, we repent for every place in us where we have abandoned our first love, where we are no longer captivated by you, O oh God. We repent, Father, where we are more drawn and more captivated and more in love with the world, and we are no longer in love with you. Father, we are more excited about the world but we are no longer excited about you. Father, we repent, Father, for every place in us that is prostituting itself, Lord, to the world, to the enemy, where, Father, we have set up altars where we worship other gods but you. We worship with our mind, our imagination, with our words, with our desires, God. We repent, Father, Nasek we ask that you burn every place in us that does not desire Jesus. Every place in us that is the enemy of the cross. Every place in us that, does not, that is not waiting patiently for our bridegroom. Father, we repent. Burn every place in us where we have erected altars, where we have built idols, Father taking your passion in our heart, taking it away, Father. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you renew the love that we had at first in us. Renew it, O oh God, we pray. And we ask, Lord, that you wash us with your blood, just as you found us in the beginning. Wash us once again. Wash every trace of our lives that is all over the place and gather us unto yourself, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit, to fall in love with Jesus. Help us, Father, to fall in love with our Savior. Help us, Lord, to understand the price. Help us, Father, to keep our eyes on the cross, 
Father, we repent for even trading our children where we've told them to sit in front of the TV and being discipled by demonic spirits and we did not take the time to teach them after you. Father, we repent. These are your children, Father. These are not our children. These are not the children of the devil, but they are your children. So, Father, we want to even bring back the children that we bore for you. Work in our hearts today. Help us to be a bride set apart. Help us to be a bride that is falling in love with the lover, Jesus Christ. Amen. Maybe, let me just finish this. Um, just give me, if you don't mind, let's give 10 more minutes, okay? We'll just wrap it up nicely. Then we'll pray and then we'll go. So, Bazalwan, the first thing that was observed, Kumakoti was her purity. Amen. Was her purity. Don't take it for granted. You don't just go to heaven. Some, some, some woman said something that I will never forget. Because of these casual people who think that going to heaven is just easy. We are going to it is not on the basis of the stuff that we did. The Ephesian church is proof. He said, in spite of all this, you have left your first love. So, the first thing that they checked was the bride's purity. Now, and before the father of the bridegroom instructed him to go for her, the father would have to get a status report of her purity. Before he would come, somebody would have, after they have checked her for nine months, you know, somebody had to go to the father of the bridegroom. When the house had been finished, that on its own did not mean that he would come. Because they didn't know that during the examination of the bride, what the results were. She could have been pregnant by someone else. So he had to get a status report of the bride. Upon that report, which then endorsed the purity of the bride, and after having completed the home, then he would come. What are we carrying in our womb, Bazalwan? You know that the enemy is able to plant seed in our spiritual womb. Do you know that unforgiveness, you can be pregnant with unforgiveness. Do you know that you can be pregnant with, with bitterness? Because you need to know how it looks like to be spiritually pregnant with something that's demonic. It's not, it's not such an, an idea. It's, it's, it's a concept which is real. And we must be able to know how that concept looks like in practicality. We can be pregnant with something that does not, with, with, with unbelief. Demonic spermata placed in our womb by fornication, by adultery. The enemy can plant a seed 
in our womb such that when we are walking, we are not a virgin because we have opened our heart and our, our soul to another. Anything that is not reflective of the purity of the Lord, anything that's not reflective of his holiness and purity, anything that dwells in me, it's strange spermata. I'm giving you the word because I'm closing. I want you to be sober. Listen. And I talk very slowly. While the groom has been away, have we fallen pregnant by another? What, what are we carrying, Muslim? What are we carrying? What are we carrying? What are we carrying? Did you know that a, a, a Christian can, can manifest? I wrote that some time ago. A Christian can manifest. You know when, 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 when a, a demonic person manifests and they, and, they, and they do this on the floor and they scream it's because there's a spirit in them that's resisting what's being placed on the person. Christians manifest a lot if they haven't been made mature in God. Your anger is a manifestation of the spirit of anger. When you see a woman walking past and you are drawn to that woman, you are manifesting the spirit of lust. I know that you didn't think that you could, you know, Christians manifest all the time. Christians manifest all the time. Your tantrums is a manifestation of something that is in us that needs to be dealt with. So, the enemy is able to plant something in you. And this is why we must always be given to repentance and get just cleanse your womb. Don't allow anything that's not supposed to abide in you to make your soul, to make your heart a permanent residence. This is why we, well, why do you think we, we forgive and we release things? Do you think it's easy? That's why I did the teaching on forgiveness. Because the, the enemy uses certain circumstances to plant, a, to sow a seed. To sow a seed. He's able to do so. Are we pregnant, family? Is there something we need to get rid of in the womb of our soul? While the bridegroom was away, did someone else make us pregnant. Let's stand, Mazona. I'm just going to skip certain things I'm seeing here because of time. But I wanted to meditate on these things. I wanted to meditate on these things. Father, help us this morning in Jesus' name. Because sin, sin does that. Sin plants something in your womb. Sin plants something in your womb. And then you begin to develop these pregnancy symptoms. You are pregnant with something. There is something that has been planted in your spiritual womb. There is something that the enemy is called demonic spermata. Do, are, are, are we carrying the, 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 the seed of the enemy in our loins? Are we developing signs of pregnancy? Bazalwan.
Are we nauseous? It's nauseous. Does the message of holiness make you feel nauseous? Whenever you hear something like this being preached, just something has a twist in it. You feel nauseous. Are we, are, we, are we vomiting? We can't keep a good word, a sound teaching in. That those are signs of, of, of being pregnant with something other than the word of God. Are we, are we, are we vomiting? Every time you, you hear a word, as soon as you leave the building, you begin to talk around the, the, the teaching of the word and it, it comes out. Just throw it out. Because there is a seed in your womb which is not of God. Are we developing mood swings? No mood swings. Are we, are we blowing hot and cold? Blowing hot and cold for the Lord. It, just moods, it depends. I come to church when, it, you know, when it's comfortable. I do this. It's mood swings. You know what? I am, I am portraying, I am demonstrating as signs of being pregnant. When you are pregnant with something, you cannot hide it. There will be signs that this person has eaten something. That something has been planted in this person's womb. He's coming for a pure vision, family. Lift up your hands. Let's pray together. Now, Father, we thank you today for your word. Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. Before we go, I want, I want, I want some of you to come and pray here in Jesus' name. Glory to God. I want, I want you to learn to do that, family. Is there a young person here? I must have prayed earlier. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just lift up your hands, Bazzoni. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, wash your people. Cleanse your people. Cleanse your people. Cleanse your people. Cleanse your uh, man to come here, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just pray for, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray for something specific? I have this thing of, of wombs. Because you will, never, you will never act contrary to that which has been planted in you. So we need the Lord Jesus just pray for the Lord. There is a way to abort in the spirit. It exists in the natural. It does not exist. It's, it's illegal. In the spirit, it does exist. We abort that which the enemy has planted in our soul. In whatever it is. In Jesus' name. Uma ingane zozalwa does not resemble the fruit of the spirit. That does resemble the Lord Jesus. It's a wrong seed in our soul. Just, just pray. Just pray for people's wombs in the spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word that you have spoken to us this morning. We come before your throne in repentance. 
We repent, Father, because we've opened ourselves to wrong spirits. We just laying our lives down before your throne, and pleading for mercy. We ask him for mercy. We ask, Father, that you cleanse our wombs. Father, we declaring that we want to abort everything that is in our spiritual wombs. We're declaring that we are aborting that is not from God in the name of Jesus Christ. We're declaring and decreeing that we want to be filled with you only. That is contrary to your word. We're declaring, Father, that we're rejecting it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, cleanse our spiritual wombs. We want to carry heavenly seed, Lord. We want to carry heavenly DNA in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Cleanse us, O God. We're just coming and laying down our lives, Father. We lay bare before you. Everything that is hidden in us. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Even that is hidden in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Cleanse us, O God, in Jesus' mighty name. Uh, come pray for us as we go. Repentance cleanses your womb. Repentance clears away all the junk in your womb. You live a life of repentance. Father, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 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 Baba Namtanji, Lamazu, Awa Kasuga Gua. Baba Namanda, Suga is Vumila Nasas of Vumila Nanawe. Kulungulan Amanda Sebon, Gutuani, Uskumbulile, Wemiasas, and Usbiza Namakan. Baba Namanda Sebu, Muktava Tarabit Namtanji, Gutigi, Yukos of Vum, Tiazenda, and Kulungulan Amanda in your altar. Tiavu, Mountigunja, Abusmagata, Kota in Kulungulan Amanda Namun Sawa and Tendagil. Bless you, family. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will see you soon. Thank you very much. Amen.